Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Now, enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. How was that for the intro? That was pretty good. You're coming along. You'll get it. changing. Quint, like, I think steam shoots out of his ears when he does it. It's a lot Is to live up to. good or bad? In a good way. Oh. Like, he just gets so fired up. If He he could, like, yep. jump on his chair while he did that thing. Nice. When's the last time you and I did an episode together, Allie? Mm, it's been a long time. I think they try to avoid us having the think tank. It's a lot. It's a lot for, in one for everyone. Yeah. Well, you don't, and I just learned this before, and I'm going to call you out for it. Hmm. You don't listen to the other episodes. Whoa, come on. I mean, I don't download them and listen to them via the podcast. You just listen to them through your closed office You guys door. literally record this, <laughs> I'm going to say, six feet from my <laughs> office door. So it seems a little redundant to go back, download, and listen to episodes. No offense to Steve, who does all the production. And he does a great job. Yeah. So I get it without the sound effects. I get the raw. So the fact that I listen to you guys in your raw format is actually saying a lot. With your closed door. So not well, yeah, I close the door because <laughs> it's awkward if I'm just staring at you guys as you're recording. What's so interesting is like it's weird for me. It took a long time to get used to like just the raw, like boring, you could say, without Steve's great sound effects, like dialogue because I listened to the podcast for so long. And so I would hear like, have you ever listened to your little intro? When's the last time you heard that? Uh, I mean, I've heard it a few times, yeah. I'm kind of a big deal. Okay, so, I like, before, I would always hear that, and then it'd be Are like, you trying to say I'm less interesting in real life? Yes. Oh. That's where I was going with this. It was a That's big build-up to, to Positively. <laughs> no, I'm saying that it was always so fun because there'd be sound effects, and then after, yeah. I would always listen to the last second because Steve always puts in these really good, like, tracks at the end, like, mm. beats, and I would always be like... Getting so fired up in the last like twenty seconds of the episode, listening I to the outro song. Everything that he does, I just listen to other podcasts that are not my voice. That's fair. Or your voice. This is the Steve Appreciation Podcast. Yeah, boy, that's just a straight shooter with upper management written all over him. So, yeah. And fair enough. Hey, but before we go on, I do want to give a shout out to Lisa. This is how I knew you didn't listen because you were like, "Who's Lisa, and why is she talking about rugby?" Lisa's, you put Lisa in the notes. It's a very fair question to say. Who is Lisa? Who's Lisa? Okay, well, Lisa. Not who the today's question is, is from. No, Lisa's someone I need to shout out because Quint and I were talking about ice hockey. Did you hear that in your office? No. Okay. Um, I probably had my headphones on that day. Probably so. Your noise cancelers. Plus the door closed. Oh my gosh. Well, we were talking about how I think ice hockey is really interesting because they put the participants into the penalty box and i learned that you don't get a substitution if you have a penalty so you just play That's with the four point of the penalty but like I, what i said was there's no other sport that does that do you know any yes okay name them soccer what you get rugby. to substitute okay rug- rugby is what Lisa when you put a red card in soccer they just sit in the box i don't know anything about soccer red card I thought you got kicked out of the card. game. I thought that was like getting a flagrant two and then having to go sit on the bus. When they, uh, yeah, they put somebody out and then you play with a man down. And then oh, obviously, okay. 
it's in your nose, but rugby. Rugby, yeah. Which is called the sin bin, which yes. I thought was awesome. Different from the blood bin. What's the blood bin? If you kill someone? No, when you're bleeding. Okay. Oh, when you're just bleeding yourself. When you're bleeding and you have to go get medical Do you get a attention. substitute for that? Uh, e- do they get a substitute for that? I believe so, because it's not a penalty. So yeah, they it go, feels like you should. They go swap. Yeah, they do. They, so they get a substitute uh, whilst the person's getting worked on, and, but then they get to swap back. Okay. The blood bin. The blood bin. I like that rugby. I, maybe I need to start watching rugby. I don't know anything about it either. But I like that it's a sport where you need to have a terminology for when players get blood on their clothes. Or Rugby's cool. Self. I'm not like an expert in rugby, but I do really enjoy watching it because it just keeps moving. It's, it's like, like football, American right? football with the time clock of soccer. Which is it just long. just keeps going. Yes. And without padding. I mean, they wear helmets, but like... But barely. Barely padding. So they're just... It's like carnal, and it's really fun to watch. So it's like MMA meets <laughs> American football meets soccer. Uh, and I mean, they're just so athletic. And it's it's really fun to watch. Because there's no downtime. Like, they just keep playing. I mean, there's halftime. You pick the weirdest sports to follow. Like, not you don't watch traditional t- sports Not ever. if people are tuning in from Europe. <laughs> I really resonate with our European listeners. I could see you living in like Wales. Yeah, Isle of Man. You give off that vibe. Our uh, one of our neighbors is from the Isle of Man. Cool. Which is like <laughs> in the UK, uh, as well as Mark Cavendish, who's returning this season for cycling. By the way, cycling season exactly. Off. Cycling. I watch cycling maybe once a year, and I think it's when I accidentally flip through the channels, and they're doing the Tour de France. Tour de France. Tour de France. Not day. Okay. Tour. Say it again. Tour de France. Say it again. No. <laughs> All right. Let's get to our question. This is why they don't let us be on podcast episodes together. It's true because it goes off. It goes way too far. Yup. Okay. We got a question today from Dietrich. Dietrich, what do you got? D-I-Y. Hey, DIY Money. It's Dietrich from Ohio. First of all, I love your show. I have a question about uh, backdoor Roth IRAs, something I've been hearing about and trying to learn about, but I've always been intimidated about. I watched someone do it on a YouTube video and it couldn't have looked simpler. Simply open up a traditional Roth IRA, put your money in, transfer it to your Roth IRA, bada bing, bada boom. However, as it seems is common for everything in life, things are a little harder in reality. And I had some questions I opened up a traditional IRA. I put in $6,500. A week later, even though that wasn't invested in anything, it increased to $6,500.08. I transferred $6,500.08 to my Roth IRA. I have heard and read that it's important to have a zero balance in your traditional Roth. But I also wanted to make sure that those $0.08 cents weren't going to do anything problematic and that transfer over from my Roth IRA with that eight cents being over what the max is of $6,500. would appreciate a little clarification and learning. I'm, I'm, I'm certain I'm not the only listener you have that's interested in backdoor Roth IRAs and becoming more comfortable with them. Thank you again. Dietrich's got a lot of good information in here. Uh, I'm going to say, though, though he was incredibly, incredibly detailed on some of the mechanics of what he actually did. 
he left out a lot of the details on why he's pursuing a backdoor Roth IRA strategy, which is really important because if I was just listening to your question, Dietrich, I would presume that the backdoor Roth IRA strategy is just kind of for anybody and everybody who's interested in trying to get money into the Roth. But you can contribute into a Roth. For a lot of people, you can just make general contributions into a Roth. Like, you don't have to backdoor IRA into a Roth to get money into a Roth. Like, you just make a contribution into the Roth IRA up to the contribution limit for the year. Uh, What people are talking about when they're talking about backdoor Roth IRAs is when they exceed the income limits to be able to contribute to a Roth IRA, um, then they can make a non-deductible contribution for um, non-deductible contribution into their traditional IRA and then convert that or move that over to the Roth IRA because the non-deductible contribution hasn't been taxed yet. There would then be no taxes. However, if you make a tax deductible or yeah, a tax deductible contribution to an IRA and then move it over, that's just a Roth conversion. So that's not considered a backdoor Roth IRA. So really important to kind of be on the same page of what we're doing here. So those limits as far as like the um, Roth IRA contribution limits for 2024 is 146,000 uh, per year in taxable income uh, is where that starts to phase out. Uh, up to the 161,000 range, and then uh, that's for single uh, taxpayers, and then for joints, uh, joint tax um, filers, that's 230 to 240. Uh, so we don't have a lot of information on DJ. We don't have a lot of information on whether he's a single or joint filer or what his income is for the year. So we're not really sure. Not that we ever give personal advice on the show, but we're not really sure kind of what the mechanics are of why we're doing this and what, but. Those are the folks that generally would be interested in starting to pursue this strategy. However, if you pursue this strategy, your financial sort of picture is probably starting to get into the realm that you should be talking at least to a tax preparer, CPA, and or financial planner to ensure that you're getting some of the nuances of these strategies right. And so, Ali, what are some of the nuances want somebody is starting to approach these strategies that they want to make sure they are understanding or hearing about from some of these professionals. Before we proceed any further, we got to get something straight. It's just you, me, and Uncle Sam. Yes. So let me just start with what is a backdoor Roth, like the technicality of how it's executed, because you talked a little bit about when it might be useful, but how do you actually do it? So The first step is just contributing to a traditional IRA, which it sounds like in this example you did correctly. The limit for you would be 8,000, and you put that directly into the traditional IRA, no problem. Then you move that traditional IRA, 8,000, to Roth IRA. And like um, Daniel was talking about, whenever you're above those income limits, what your contribution is classified as a non-deductible IRA, which basically means you didn't get a tax benefit for it, which basically means you paid tax on it. So mm-hmm. ultimately, that's how you can essentially get it into the Roth, paying the tax on it that year, and then it continues to grow tax-free. Now, the caveat and the difficult part where a lot of people can't actually execute this strategy well is when we're talking about IRAs, there's this rule called the pro rata rule. And basically what that means is when you're making that uh, switch from moving it from traditional to Roth, 
you can't say I'm moving this 8000 I contributed this year into Roth. Instead, the IRS will look at the balance of all of your traditional accounts. So you can't cherry pick. You can't cherry pick. So pro rata is kind of a big con. Yes. Pro. Did I say pro? He's oh, like pro rata. rata. Oh, kind of my goodness. Okay. Well, this is the last episode. Daniel and I will do together. Yep. Okay. The Conrata rule. That was actually pretty good. Took me a sec. So as an example, let's say you have $80,000 in a traditional IRA. You get to the point where you can't contribute to a Roth anymore. You decide this is the strategy you want to do. So you put $8,000 in. When you go to move that from traditional to Roth, they're not looking at the 8,000. They're looking at the 80. And so they'll tax that accordingly. So of the 8,000 you convert, 7,200 of that gets taxed as ordinary income. And then only $800, which is the portion or the percentage of the non-deductible IRA, so that 8,000 versus the 80,000 that you took deductions for, would not be taxed. So ultimately you end up, if you have a pretty sizable IRA, you end up essentially paying tax on the pretty much every fund you convert. So that's the difficulty in this. And then the technicality of how you actually execute this on a personal level is just let your accountant know that you did a backdoor Roth and they'll fill out the form to do it and everything will get reconciled on your tax return. Yeah. I would say keep in mind that in some instances you could roll money back into a 401k if you had those monies in an IRA now. So I did not know that. Talk yeah. about that a little so bit. So assuming let's say you've made IRA <clears throat> you've made four hundred one K contributions, you've left that employer, you started a new employer, you rolled out those that existing IRA, those are deductible monies. Um so you've already taken a deduction on it. Right. So it would apply to the pro rata rule, right? Because now it's in an IRA. Mm-hmm. You could roll that back into your current employer's four hundred one K into the balance there assuming that they accept those, mm-hmm. that would take it out of the IRA. And now you can start making non-deductible contributions to your IRA. And if that's the only balance in there, you now don't have the pro rata rule. Because 401ks, 403bs, et cetera, are employer plans, right. not individual plans. They don't count for the pro rata rule. So that's one thing that folks can consider. Uh, also, if you're a you know professional small business and you set up an employer retirement plan, uh, you could basically do the same thing there. Just keep in mind that certain things that have IRAs in the name, SEP IRA, Simple IRA, et cetera, uh, qualify as IRAs, not employer plans, even though they're typically set up by the employer. There's not a ton of good reasons other than that that you would add money back into your 401 right. Uh Once it's rolled out into an IRA, like you've already done the hard part of getting it out of the IRA, uh, 401k into an IRA, doing the rollover, all that. So to put it back into your employer plan, for a lot of people, there is not going to be a benefit. But in this particular instance, that could be a huge benefit. So kind of bouncing back now to answer Dietrich's more specific question, what happens with, was it eight cents, something like that? Yeah. The eight cents of earnings that he got before. So essentially what would happen is the pro rata rule, since it's eight cents, it'll round down on your tax return and shouldn't cause an issue. As long as you're contributing the 8000 into the IRA, instead of if you contributed Eight thousand and eight cents, then that would be a problem. But what it grows to just adds to the total of all of your IRA's balance in yeah. the pro rata rule. So let's say it was eight dollars, and so he had contributed non-taxable amounts of sixty five hundred, and then he had eight dollars in gains or whatever ten dollars. That whatever the gains are that he rolls over to the Roth is going to be taxable. 
Correct. Yep. So keep in mind, it's not just your contributions, um, any gains that you... So the contributions, as long as they are non-taxable contributions, will not be taxed when you move them to the Roth, barring the pro rata rule. And then the any gains that you have will be taxed as you do that conversion from your IRA to the Roth. Yep. I love it. Talk to a professional. Yes. <laughs> Especially if it's the first year. Just make sure that you're... Um, filling out all the forms correctly. Yeah, be mindful too of uh, the step rule, which I've never seen really enforced as far as backdoor Roth IRAs go by the IRS, which is that consecutive steps that are effectively trying to accomplish, I forget how it's worded, uh, but the step rule basically says if you take five steps to do one thing that would normally be prohibited, then the IRS assumes that you're doing the thing that's prohibited. So if you make a contribution to the a non-deductible contribution to the IRA and you turn around the very next day and put that into the uh, Roth IRA, technically they could enforce that you were really just making a Roth contribution. So the way that people conservatively have gotten around this step rule is by saying, okay, we make a non-deductible contribution to the IRA, we allow a statement cycle or two, or we invest the money, or we separate out the steps... The, the contributions mm-hmm. with additional steps to ensure that the steps aren't grouped together as being one step. That's really confusing the way I just put this. But effectively, at least wait um, one statement cycle. So you have a statement that shows, hey, this was in the IRA for a period of time, at least one statement cycle. Some people have said, some very much more conservative uh, accountants that we've read have have said, uh, you know, six months or 12 months or a tax year or something like that, or invest the money a little bit, have some movement in the money, things like that. But I've never actually seen a story where the IRS has gone, u- utilized that particular rule to go against a backdoor Roth. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You make it, you're making it sound like it's a really shady It's not <laughs> at all. I think, yes, it could be enforced that way, but generally it's accepted in... I yeah. personally haven't seen anything about it. I've never seen anything about allowed. it. And I think it would only ever become an issue if you were under scrutiny for something else on your taxes. Sure. Because it's not it's something the backdoor Roth and the mega backdoor Roth, which is when you utilize mm-hmm. a employer plan to do it, has been something that the IRS has not like uh promoted, but they've pretty much reinforced like Yes, you can do that. Right. They've allowed it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's it's not as if you're doing something that's like in the gray area of the law, but there are conservative accounts out there that have said, hmm, maybe maybe try to separate the contribution between those accounts mm-hmm. by a little bit of time. So sure. just food for thought. Uh, I'm not the CPA in the room, so I'll let you be the judge of that. Take an so. official stance. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen it become an issue, but... I don't think being conservative and making sure that you're crossing your T's and dotting your I's is ever a bad practice. So that, um, that's kind of where we're in that. Awesome. Well, we appreciate the question. Dietrich, if you have a question that you'd like answered, just email that uh, to us as an audio file, one minute or less to podcast at DIYmoney.org. Check us out on the socials. DIY Money Podcast on all the social platforms. The secret friends to creating wealth is to live on less than you make, to invest the rest, and to do so for a very long time. Make it a great one.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.